And the angel started to talk to him, and the boy told the angel to leave. The angel said, why is that? The boy said, because in the Bible, real angels always said not to be afraid. You never said not to be afraid, so you need to go. And the angel said, would you prefer I came looking like this? And it turned into what it really was, and it went. Smart kid. Smart parents, too, I have to think. And the boy did it right. He was alert, but not afraid. And that's our theme today. 1 Peter 5, 7, 8 says, Cast all your anxiety on him. It means don't be afraid. Give it to the Lord. Don't be afraid. Because he cares for you. Be alert. See, there it is. Don't be afraid. Be alert. And of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I grew up in a tradition, a Bible-believing church tradition, that by and large doesn't really believe in the spiritual world. It was something that I had a hard time learning when I came to Christ, when I came to Lockwood, because if you talked about demons in the church in which I grew up, you'd get an awful lot of, well, you know, that's the way people used to talk about uh, psychological problems and uh, illness and things like that. People didn't know about um, bacteria or about split personalities or bipolar disorder, so they, they talked about demons. Uh, people actually, I was actually told that when Jesus was tempted by Satan, that was his human nature tempting him. It's not doctrinal in that church that Satan doesn't really exist, but it's what people have come to believe. And yet that same denomination speaks very highly of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the symbol of that church is the cross and flame. That's Christ and the Holy Spirit. They'll tell you that. They're very, they're, they're very big on the Holy Spirit, but not unholy spirits. For some reason, there's a divide there that people in that church just would not cross. And I wonder what Peter would think of that. You heard what he said about the devil. I'm pretty sure that he or Paul would strongly disagree. They didn't really have to. People of that time, people across the world throughout most of history, have taken it as a given that there is an unseen world, there's a spiritual world. Paul didn't have to convince people that there were spirits, or even evil spirits. Peter didn't have to either. They just assumed that there were. So, you heard what Peter said about your enemy, the devil. Here's what Paul had to say to the church in Ephesus. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He didn't have any doubts about that. Neither did any of the people he was listening to. He was just reminding them. But it's not just that denomination. It's not just the church I grew up in. A 2009 Barna Group survey showed that nearly 60% of American Christians believe that the devil is only a symbol of evil. More than half of Christians in America, that he's not a person, 
we know better now, of course. We know that there's no such thing, right? The enemy loves that. The enemy loves it when, uh, when people will say, there's no such thing, we know better now. In countries where people don't know better yet, the enemy will attack through intimidation, through physical violence sometimes. He will harass in obvious ways in order to frighten people. But here in the West, where we've convinced ourselves that there's no such thing, people will say, there's, there's no such thing as, thing as demons, there's no such thing as Satan. And he'll say, Shh, I was never here. That's right, no such thing. You're, totally, you're so smart. It's a different kind of warfare. And if your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, what's more dangerous, a roaring lion or a quiet lion? At least you know where the roaring lion is. You can be prepared for the roaring lion. If you don't believe in lions, how dangerous is that? Especially if you live in a world full of lions. Now, with most pursuits, there are two ways that we can get a thing wrong. We can either not think about it at all, if it's an important thing to think about, that is. We can not think about it at all, or we can think about it too much. Take your health, for instance. You cannot think about your health at all. You can eat whatever you feel like eating. You can sit on the couch, not exercise, never go to the doctor, I don't know, don't brush your teeth. You cannot think about your health at all. But that's going to end up being bad for your health, right? You put yourself at much higher risk of all kinds of health problems. You should pay attention. On the other hand, you probably know people who are obsessed with their health. Anybody know, anybody know any CrossFitters? People who do CrossFit? It's, it's an exercise program. People just obsess on it. I'm sure you know people who are really, really always thinking about their health. Every time they cough, they say, uh-oh. You know, every time they get tired, it's a big one. You can think about, you can go to the doctor four times a week and make sure you've taken all your vitamins even if you don't really need all of your vitamins and you can see every symptom as, as a signal of impending doom. But that's going to end up being bad for your health. Thinking too much about your health means you're neglecting other areas of your life. It means you're inviting physical problems by concentrating on physical problems. You can do the same thing with taking care of your car, or going on vacation, or even loving your family, you know, not enough or too much of almost anything is a bad thing. It's best to be alert, but not afraid. Right? If you want to take care of your body, you want to pay attention, but you don't want to be afraid. That's bad for your health. The, uh, the people who are experts in terrorism, like the Department of Defense, say the same thing. Don't be afraid, be alert. The Department of Defense says that uh, terrorists' main weapons are fear of the unknown, intimidation, and opportunistic attack. Attacks on the weak. Attacks when you don't see it coming, when you don't expect it. And remember that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Prowls around, that's threat of attack, the unknown. Like a roaring lion, that's intimidation. Looking for someone to devour, that's opportunistic attack. 
Satan is a terrorist, the original terrorist. Everybody else is just imitating him. And this is a good time to mention, by the way, that when I or Paul or Peter or someone you know, smarter than me like that talks about Satan attacking, generally, that doesn't mean Satan personally. Satan would love you to believe that he's everywhere and he's all-powerful, that he sees everything you do and is personally attacking you, but he's talking about someone else. There's someone else who is all-powerful and all-knowing. It's not Satan. That's why he has a legion of spirits. That's why he had to take demons with him, take angels with him to become demons when he left God's presence. Satan is not personally attacking each individual person. He has a sort of government to do that. Paul talks about powers and authorities, principalities. That's what it means. It's it's a a government of devils. Now, I'm sure there's a joke here about how all governments belong to the devil, but I'm not going to go there. And Satan needs permission to attack you. Um, It's all throughout scripture. In Job... You might remember, Satan had to ask to attack Job, had to ask God. He had to ask to sift Peter. He has no power without permission. We'll get to that in a bit. More on that soon. Now, the next question, and this is something that people very, very commonly think, and I can see why, isn't this just for the professionals? Isn't this stuff just for pastors and, I don't know, exorcists or something? Well, I have several books on spiritual warfare written by people who are experts in spiritual warfare and good I'm glad those people exist I also have several theology books written by people who are smarter than me and know more theology than I do but that doesn't mean that I don't have to read my Bible it's still my job it's still your job to read your Bible right if you have books on theology you still need to read your Bible just because there are Expert mechanics doesn't mean that you don't need to pay attention to your car. You still have to put gas in it, change your oil if you know how, put air in the tires. Just because there are doctors doesn't mean that you don't need to pay attention to your health. You see where I'm going. Being aware of spiritual attack is your job if you belong to Christ. There are experts, and that's good, and we'll get to that too. But that doesn't mean that it's not your job. And just like health, it's dangerous to ignore entirely. Now, and remember that in spiritual warfare, we are the warriors. We've been given this job by Christ. He's our general, but we're the warriors. Now, the good news is that that victory has already been won, right? Listen to Paul again. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, having disarmed the powers and authorities, there it is, powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Absolute defeat. Christ told the disciples that he had been given authority to walk all over the enemy's rulers and authorities. We are in the in-between times, folks. The war has been won, but the cleanup is still going on. 
any large war that, that occurs doesn't stop on a dime. Afterwards, there are always people fighting. There are always things to do. There's always rescue efforts. There's always more war to fight, even when the war is won. And we have authority. We have been given authority by Christ. We are warriors. He has all authority. And we represent him. Now, if you don't represent Christ, I don't have time to go into this much, but if you don't represent Christ and you're, trying, you're attempting spiritual warfare, you're like a person pretending to be a police officer. You're not going to pull over too many people before people are going to get wise to you. A cop only has authority to pull people over, to make arrests, to do anything he does because he's been given authority. It's not because he's such a great guy or because he's so tough. It's because he's a police officer, because someone higher than him has authority and they've given it to him, right? But that's us. That's you and me. Now, so what do you do about this? It seems like a big deal. And if you've not thought about it before, it's very overwhelming. The good news is that if you're, if you're a Christian, you probably already know. You just don't know that you know. Like good physical health, good spiritual health is mostly about prevention. Uh, that means do the things that the Holy Spirit has been instructing the church to do for 20 centuries now. Believe God's truth. Pray. Read the Bible. Spend time alone with the Lord. Follow his commands. Confess. Repent. Practice forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. That's a hard one for a lot of people, but it's drastically important. Receive forgiveness from the Lord and from people who are willing to give it to you. There are an awful lot of people who are willing to give and give and give, but will not ever feel like they are good enough to be forgiven. That's bad for your spiritual health. It's terrible for your spiritual health. And your enemy will tell you, you're not good enough to be forgiven. Your Lord will never tell you that. Speaking of which, deny lies. Believe God's truth, not the lies that are told to you by the flesh and by Satan and by the world. Believe in the Lord and believe him about who you are. Most importantly, be Christ-centered. Don't be Satan-centered. Again, it's too easy to pay too much attention to warning signs, look for things all the time. Federal agents who study, who catch counterfeiters, don't study counterfeit money. They study real money. And the more they study real money, the more they study what's true, the more they're able to look at a fake bill and say, there's something wrong with this. I might not be able to tell right away what it is, but I know something's wrong. Study the truth. Be obsessed with the truth. You can't do that too much. Now, if you have agreed with me so far, I might be about to change that. <laughs> um, now you might still agree with me for a minute. What about possession? Can Christians be possessed, taken over entirely by an unclean spirit? No. You probably agree with me there because it's not specifically addressed in scripture, actually. But there's ample indirect biblical teaching and centuries of tradition teaching that when a person is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that person cannot also be taken over by an unholy spirit. But what happens when a Christian holds out part of his life from God? Like St. Augustine, a great man, a very faithful Christian, said, 
Lord, make me sexually pure, but not yet. He really wanted to hold back one piece of himself from God. Does that invite enemy forces to dwell at least with us? I think so. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have warned the Ephesian church not to let the devil get a foothold in their lives. That word means territory. It means a space in you. That's what a foothold meant. And when we give permission to the enemy to live in part of our lives, when we say, I don't want to give that up to God just yet, that's mine. Maybe he can have it later. When we give the enemy permission to live in our lives, the Lord will honor that. Just like he'll honor a person's desire never to follow him. If a person says, I'm not going to follow you, eventually he'll say, your will be done. He will honor our locking off a part of ourselves from him. He will not force himself into your life or into any part of your soul. Here's a useful word picture. Um, If your body and your soul are a house, you may have given the lease, given the, the, the deed over to the Lord. And of course, he's leasing it back to you. He's given it back to you for your use in the world, in your life. That was his original design, right? And by the way, if you or anybody else has not done that, you don't own your own house. Nobody owns their own house, body and soul. That you're either leasing your body and soul from your enemy or from your friend. One of the two. You don't own anything yourself. But, and you can't buy it back, by the way. The Lord has already done that. The Lord has already purchased your body and soul at the cost of his son's blood. But, if if your house, if your body and soul is owned by God, but you choose to cling to sin, if you engage even playfully in what you know are occult activities, if you refuse to forgive, that's a very important thing, or if you're part of a lineage of sin, if you have ancestral sin that hasn't ever been broken, you may have rented out rooms in that house. And a demon once moved in to a corner of your house will not just stay in that room, He'll wreak havoc. The Holy Spirit has taken over the rest of your house, blowing all the dust out the windows. He's fixing up the furniture. He's, he's making you ready, right? The rest of the house looks great. It's full of light. But because you locked the doors into that one room, you've hung out a for rent sign. And something's going to want to come live there. And it's probably going to bring its friends, and it's probably going to lead assaults on the other rooms. That room's not going to stay locked. So, what do you do if this sounds like you? Or if you think this might be you or someone you know? If you're concerned that you've kept a piece back and Satan is using that room against you and against your friends and against your loved ones and against the Lord, ask God to reveal that. He will. He wants to. Ask for forgiveness. Then give that room back to God. Keep doing it. You'll have to keep doing it because you'll want to lock the door again. You're used to that room being closed off. You like it the way it is. 
Keep giving it back to him. And then ask the spirit to fill you again, all of you. He will. He wants to. And then go back to keeping yourself spiritually healthy, like I talked about earlier. All the things you already know to do, go back to doing them. Read the Bible, practice forgiveness, all those things that I talked about. Obey the Lord. And if that doesn't work, if you're still concerned for yourself or for someone else, then it's time to talk to someone you trust, a Christian. Careful. There are plenty of people who think they can order spirits around. Read sometime about the seven sons of Sceva in Acts. It's terrible. Uh, if you don't, if you're not in Christ, don't, don't try to order spirits around. They're just playing with you. But it might be time to talk to someone you trust, a Christian who knows more about spiritual warfare than you do. But also, don't forget, if you're in Christ, you cannot fail in the long run. You can be attacked. You can have, you all know that bad things are going to happen to you in life. Whether it's evil spirits or just people or just life, things are going to happen. Right? You all know that. But you cannot fail in the long run. You are seated with Christ in heaven above this struggle. You are more than a conqueror, and he has already overcome the world. He told us that. And nothing, not death or life or angels or demons or anything else in the universe will ever, ever, ever separate you from his love. Amen? Try that again. Amen? Okay. Because I know I scared you, and I don't want to. I want you to be alert, but not afraid. Okay? All right. Let's pray. Father, this is an important topic that we don't always think to talk about, and frankly, it scares us to death, but... Thank you that you are above all this and you have conquered Satan and you have conquered the world. Thank you that your son has already forgiven us and thank you that we can be a part of your kingdom and one day never ever have to worry about this or anything else again. Will you come into our lives? Will you show us where we've kept things back from you? Will you show us where we have spiritual health issues? And will you send people to help us deal with those? Thank you. Thank you for your son. Thank you for who you are. Amen.